Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. Well, I'm so excited to have John Crabtree here in the studio with me for the second consecutive Sound of Truth weekly interview. In our previous episode, John shared his personal testimony of how he came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, that was at nine years old. Then, John, at, uh, let's see, in your high school years, you started to experience the difficulty of actually living out this faith and truly loving your neighbors yourself, loving people, when there was this class of cultures you experienced when your school was integrating and bringing the white and the black cultures together. That was a real challenge for you. You went on to share with us about how later on the Lord was calling you into vocational ministry, and so you started cutting your teeth in ministry, and he put you in settings where you are now dealing directly a lot with blacks. As a white in vocational ministry, learning the ropes, and the Lord really did a significant work in your heart to really bless you. As you shared your story, it was one of those gifts from God where he just did a work in you. Mm. So I encourage our listeners to go back. If you haven't heard that part one of John's testimony, please go back and listen to that. But let's pick up our story, John, and just by way of reminder, for those who have not met John Crabtree, as we introduced him in the last episode, John is from Indianapolis, Indiana. He is the director of training for the Great Commission Collective, the network of churches that our church is a part of and a founding member of. And John is married, three grown kids, 12, soon to be 13 grandkids, and we're just thrilled to have him on here. Yeah, thanks, Brett, for having me back. And uh, it's exciting to be here. Last time I was talking about the fact that God's love is unconditional and it makes a difference in your life when you experience that. The second transformational truth that really has impacted me over the years is to understand, again, from Paul's message to the Ephesians in chapter 2, that God's grace is immeasurable. One of the things that you don't know about me, Brett, is that I grew up listening to country music. Ah. Yeah. And I love some of the song titles, um, How Can I Miss You If You Won't Go Away? Um, (laughs) I bought the shoes that just walked out on me. Uh, you know, I changed her oil and she changed my life. Some of those, some of those country music, uh, titles are interesting, but one of the classic country songs is, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, uh, by Mac Davis. That goes back a few years. Perfect in every way. (laughs) That goes back a few years, but here's what I found. True humility is usually brought on by a crisis. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so that's a warning to us. And the writer of Proverbs says, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And so what I saw in me was the fact that I had experienced some success in life. I mean, baseball was, you know, I was pretty successful there. I was a good student. Schooling was, you know, a success. I had some success in church, but what I didn't see in fact, it was a huge blind spot in my life, was that the enemy of pride was making some inroads into my life. The dictionary defines it as an inordinate self-esteem or conceit, a delight or elation arising from some act, possession, or relationship. So in 1985, I found myself driving on a two-lane dirt road along the Ohio River listening to a radio program that caused me to do some research into how churches were growing in America. 
And I gathered a vast storehouse of knowledge about how to grow a church and my family, um, me, Vicki, Amy, Jonathan, and Jordan, and Taffy, our dog, at that time. We moved from New Albany, Indiana, to Indy, uh, Indianapolis, to start a new church. And what happened, I found that pride began to manifest itself as legalism in my life. And I began to think, I am right, and you're wrong. And I became very combative in, in thinking that I know what it means to start a church and how to do that. And so, you know, there's nothing more offensive to people than pride, and there's nothing more prideful than legalism, especially as it manifests itself in arrogance and a haughtiness and a know-it-all. Yeah, so let's define legalism so that some of our listeners will understand what you're talking about with that. The legalism that I'm talking about here is, it probably could be summed this way. I began to do all the right things, but for the wrong reason. Okay. And so when when I talk about legalism, um, I'm, I'm talking about I'm right and you're wrong. This is my set of rules, and this is my set of guidelines. And if you're outside of those, man, you are totally wrong. And this could be extra biblical, or it could be just how you're viewing things. Yeah, and, and I think at this point, it was more of how you're viewing uh, planting a church and growing a church and, and, and all of that. So I began to do all the right things, but it was for the wrong reason. And, and this whole experience kind of centered on how smart I was and how much I knew and how much other people didn't know. Mm-hmm. Very and, common, by the way, when you're younger as a pastor. Huge. But not just not just for pastors, no. for Christians. Exactly. A lot, lot of Christians fall into this trap early on. They they start reading, they start they find a teacher they love or something like that, start absorbing all, well, then they got all the answers. Exactly, exactly. And I, at that point in time, I thought I had all the answers. Yeah. And then the crisis hit. We had a family crisis. I'm not gonna go into what that particularly was, but the experience caused me to begin to understand people and their situations of life in a way that I never did before. Mm. And so it was easy to be judgmental and, and really pharisaical uh, prior to this point. And it came across in my preaching. It came across in my living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, uh, it, it was really hard because it was a blind spot in my life. And so I began to sense what Paul must have felt when he said, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Mm. So this crisis kind of was God's way, at least he used it in your life to to put a mirror at an angle where you can start to see this blind spot. Exactly. You start he was exposing it. He was. Yeah. He's he w- not comfortable. <laughs> no, I was I was very uncomfortable. But it's good for us. And it was really good. It was was healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, The crisis wasn't, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But but he allowed that in my life, and I learned, I began to learn a little bit about who I was at that point. And so what difference did God make in my life? Well, well, he's increased my desire to accept people where they are. Mm-hmm. That was very hard for me mm-hmm. to begin with. And so when I talk about accepting people where they are, I'm talking about understanding pain in people's lives. I mean, before that, I would, 
you know, see pain in people's lives. And I say, just get over it. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Man, come on, let's get on with life. Let's go after it. Right. And as a result of this crisis in, in our family, I began to understand that pain is real and it's real in people's lives. And I need to be able to understand that. And so helping hurting people to know that someone cares and that they matter to God became a real important part of my life. Mm. So God brought some healing. He brought some restoration. He brought repentance, forgiveness. And as a result of that, that family crisis, I knew that God would never give up mm-hmm. on me. Uh, you know, he says that he won't. And I really understood what, what that means and increasingly understanding what that means as I grow in my faith, which kind of leads me to the third truth that really has been transforming for me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where um, we find that God's plan is undeniable uh, for us. And this verse tells me that God believes in me and his plan for me will never be denied. In fact, he goes on in Philippians chapter 1 and says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Mm. So that verse in Ephesians 2 tells us to set the course of our life in a way that's in line with God's plan mm-hmm. and God's purpose. I've realized in my life that our plans fade away, but God will accomplish his plan. He will accomplish his global plan with mm-hmm. or without me for sure. But the only way that I can accomplish God's plan for me is with him <laughs> because mm-hmm. I can't do it without him. And so this third enemy of my soul that established a beachhead in my life was pretense, which mm-hmm. is defined as an inadequate or insincere attempt to attain a certain condition or quality. And so what was happening is this pretense was manifesting itself as individualism in my life. And I was trying to actually accomplish God's plan without God. Now, mm-hmm. Brett, think about that mm-hmm. a second. That's foolish, For but that's, sure. that's what I was doing. But in your mind, you were doing the will of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this individualism began to consume me, and I was accomplishing, trying to accomplish God's plan without God, without God's people. And I was trying to be a Lone Ranger leader, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't work out. Because it was really all about me. Yeah. When we boil it down. But so that's hard com- that's so hard to admit when we think we're doing something for God, but in reality it's and it's frightening how often this creeps into our lives. It is, really. Even after we've learned this lesson. And I'm still have <laughs> exactly. to guard myself. I mean, I every day. It's an everyday thing. Right. Because it's so contrary to Jesus' way. You know, in Matthew mm-hmm. twenty he says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. And so throughout this this whole experience, you know, I guess the bottom line, Brett, is that my story is focused on Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, he's the most respectful, understanding, and encouraging person that I know, and he has made a monumental difference in my life. Mm-hmm. His unconditional love, his imme- immeasurable grace, an undeniable plan continue today, continue mm-hmm. to fight with the enemies of prejudice and pride and pretense 
that wants to destroy my life. And so what I'm finding is interesting that as God destroys these roots, I'm finding that the thorns of judgmentalism and legalism and individualism are not as sharp as they once were. I'm not saying that they're not there, right? but I'm saying that they're not as sharp as they once were. They're receding. They're receding, and, and, and instead the flowers of respect for and acceptance of and belief in people are beginning to bloom mm-hmm. a little more and more each day of my life. And so my prayer is that people will know God and his unconditional love, they'll experience God and his immeasurable grace, and they'll serve God and his undeniable purpose all the rest of of their lives. Amen. Amen. So the Lord led you to Indianapolis. You found yourself wrestling with pride and legalism, but then the Lord revealed that to you as you, as you just shared. And so that was kind of a major step in your growth and your walk with the Lord and then living that out. And he gave you a real love for people. So to catch us up to date on your story, you planted that church and then what next? Yeah. And so then Brett, um, as I was planting that church, I was finishing a doctoral program at the uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And upon completion of that, um, it's just so interesting how God works because um, he led me to a Bible college in Indianapolis. It wasn't just a regular Bible college in the suburbs. It was an urban Bible college. And so I had the opportunity both to serve on the administration and faculty side of that because we were training urban leaders to reach an urban world for Christ. Again, think about the cross-cultural. The same theme running through your life of that experience in high school and then how God used that for a lifetime of service in which you're dealing with multicultural settings. Exactly. And so in addition to that, I was there a few years and and an opportunity came up to uh, go to California Baptist University out in Riverside, California. I was the founding dean of global initiatives out there, which basically dealt with international students. So again, we're talking cross-cultural. Gave me an opportunity to travel around the world, Japan, Korea, China, Mm -hmm. uh, immersed in those cultures, developing partnerships with universities in those settings. And all of what had happened up to that point in time was a preparation for God's plan for my life and to equip me to be able to deal with the cross-cultural ministry that he was actually immersing me in. Mm. That's good. So it's interesting how God works. Yeah. So we're, we're increasingly, as a nation, becoming multicultural. Absolutely. And this is something, as followers of Jesus, we have to embrace. And the temptation when we're in the flesh is to escape to people just like us and surround ourselves with people just like us. And God is calling to, to something that's more difficult, but also more rewarding and more beautiful, and that is to enjoy all of God's people. Absolutely. And develop relationships and be in covenant relationship and on mission with people from all kinds of backgrounds and display to the world that is increasingly fractured and has a difficult time accepting. I think I think the world talks a big talk about multiculturalism, but I don't know if they really do it that well. Yeah. But I think the church ought to be, Christians ought to be the ones who display this is how it really works because we have Christ living in us. Absolutely. What I've tried to share with my life is a great picture of the church and the people outside of the church at Mm -hmm. this point. They're different than us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're different from them, but 
Christ can bring us together in such a way that we can find that uh, that unity and and love and and uh, and purpose and plan that that He's designed for us. So it, I think the church has a great opportunity today to reach out to people who are different and uh, make a difference. Amen. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on these two episodes. We pray God's blessing upon you and really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Marani, 2022.